Designcast Podcast, the podcast for design and STEAM educators. Hello and welcome to Designcast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Reagan and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. For this episode of DesignCast, I had a great follow-up chat with John Halligan. John was a guest on episode 26 of this podcast. This was a chance for me to catch up with John and to hear all about the great work he is doing in Switzerland. This is the first of a two-part episode as we had so much to talk about that I had thought it was best to break it up into two sections. Next week, you will be able to hear the conclusion of this awesome chat. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with John Halligan. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of DesignCast. And it is such a pleasure and a privilege to have my friend John Halligan back. John, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's a lovely day in the neighborhood. I'm sure that's an American phrase from. Uh, oh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, it's all it's all good, my friend. Busy as always, but always pleased to take time out to talk to you. Oh, thank you, John. That's such a humbling thing for you to say, and I do appreciate it. And so, uh, for listeners who have not had a chance to listen to. My first chat with John, it is available in an earlier episode of DesignCast, which I'll put in the show notes, but um, we're just having a follow-up here, John. And so a year ago, we talked about your dream <laughs> and, mm. your, and your, what you were working on. So can yeah. you just sort of recap for me what's happened in the last uh, year to 18 months for you? What's happened? It feels like <laughs> 10 years, my friends. It feels like 10 years. Uh, yeah, so um, 
Oh my gosh, right, a quick a quick recap. Well, um, first and foremost, I, I used to be the uh, uh, head of development and recognition at the IB uh, in a, a lovely safe job doing good work. And uh, then um, after getting a little bit sort of frustrated with the the some of the issues in education, um, I mean, my, very quickly, my sort of education view on education is it, it should be interesting, meaningful, purposeful, relevant, uh, relatable, uh, engaging. There should be a degree of choice and personalization. But uh, and beyond even just one brand, um, and it should be it should allow students to sort of follow their passion and and advance to the next stage, whether that's going to be into a into a job or into university. And um, part of my work in the IB was around recognition, and I, it's so hard um, because. You literally, I mean, the IB has been around a long time and getting countries or universities to recognize the IB was proving difficult. And I couldn't understand why this was, uh, because it's all about choice. At the end of the day, it's all about student choice. And, you know, there was lots of different reasons why recognition is hard from protectionism, lack of understanding, regulations, self-interest, political uncertainty. There's lots of things, but mostly inertia. Um, and you either make a decision there and then that if, if you have this core belief, um, you either do something about it or, or you become a keyboard warrior or, or you just put up with it and say, well, that's fine. Now I have kids that are going in or were at the time going into those, those last years of education, 16 to 18. And I was faced with a, a an opportunity um, to go and, and see if I could make a difference. So we, uh, myself and a colleague, um, left the IB, um, secured funding, and began our journey with uh, V Education um, to try and make a difference and, and meet a need or solve a perfect problem. Um, and I can talk about that later but basically where it's taking us and well in order to do something like this you need a you need a healthy dose of willingness to do something and i suppose you could say entrepreneurship but i think any form of entrepreneurship <laughs> requires a high degree of naive naivety because probably if i knew now <laughs> what i what i didn't know then i don't know if i'd have done it but as it is, I am, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. Um, and we've basically, where we are at the moment, the, the, the point that you're meeting me at now is we have a fully authorised IB school in Montreux with uh, two career paths that are accelerated in business and hospitality and uh, business and digital marketing. We have a platform, V Academy, that is now fully operational. I'll talk more about that later, as a both as a uh, career provider, but also a provider of short courses and whole school solutions. We're about to uh, open up our second school in Nushatel, which is an IB candidate school with a slightly different model. Um, and we're developing um, three more career-related studies and a whole raft of short courses. Um, I should put 
pause for breath here. Uh, so <laughs> that's where we are at the moment, uh, Jason. Man. So, John, when we talked last time, you were in the throes of planning all this out and navigating the government, um, <laughs> the different government ent- entities and navigating this this pandemic <laughs> that we yeah. are still sort of in. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully in the fingers crossed in the near future, it will sort of become a, a um a past to us, but uh, this is so exciting because I've been, I've been keeping in touch with you over the last year and you know, you've only recently completed the authorization to be a CP school, mm-hmm. which is um, exciting. And not everyone here listening to this will understand the difference between the diploma program and the career related program. Uh, but how difficult was it for you to go through the process of being, becoming a CP school without having a diploma program? Um, to be fair, Jason, that wasn't particularly difficult um, because, you know, uh, the, the people involved in implementing uh, the program uh, at the start, well, we knew the program inside out and backwards and forwards um, and had it implemented it in multiple schools uh, with multiple heads prior to leaving the IB. So in terms of the process, uh not really particularly that difficult. And we actually managed it in, uh, I think we did it in about 10 months um, as opposed to sort of 18 to 24. Um, We then brought on uh, staff and again, it's getting the right people uh, as well, the right head, the right CP coordinator. We wanted um, staff that had an industry background as well as an education background because we need to constantly flip between those two uh, contexts and be able to ground the education that we're doing in the school with real-world um, stories and context from the from the teachers themselves and experiences uh, and shared experiences. So the recruiting aspect, we we were we were extremely lucky. We put a great team together. Um, we launched slightly differently. I mean, part of our journey and and understanding the you know the implications of the the uh pandemic was look when you open up a school normally it's it's usually a sort of a anything between a a five and a ten million dollar undertaking it's a lot of heavy investment up front it's a lot of time up front um but the pandemic does you know it provided us with an opportunity to relook at that and go, well, is there a different way to do this? Um, and we decided to go down a sort of a rather more innovative route. And we went through a, a what we call a school-in-school school methodology. So we're a school within a school. Uh, so we've got a partner as a host school. Uh, that allowed us to put in a much more focused teaching body. So we really recruited very much about uh, looking at the qualities of the staff we were bringing in. And I mentioned earlier one of the items that we looked for, the criteria, um, which we managed to put in quite a lean but effective staff model in there um, because that's where we were lo- using the majority of our budget. Um, the deal we've got with our partner is very much uh, a, a FIPA student. So we're able to focus our, our efforts and budget on the quality of the curriculum, the quality of the teachers, and the quality of the learning that's going to take place within the school. Okay. 
And does that mean that you are going to eventually build a campus or are you going to maintain this school in a school model? Um, I think, look, schools for us, because look, we're, we're concentrating on, on the last two years of education or, or potentially maybe the last four years in terms of what we traditionally call school. Um, school can be anything. School could be a school in industry, a school in a university, a school in a school. Um, I think the model is flexible um, as long as you're true to what you want to do. We want to go down very much a sort of professional approach. So we're looking at opportunities within universities, within other schools, within um, industry, okay, in order to set up our slightly different model. Um, I mean, if you're looking, if, if, you know, parents are looking for a school where you can, you know, ski out the back door, since we're in Switzerland, (laughs) that's probably not us. You know, Um, it's it's 45 minutes for us. But, um, you know, uh, we're we're looking to where we can create efficiencies and we pass those efficiencies then on to the the parents. But also we don't want to scrimp on the thing that's most important. And the thing that's most important is the education of that student um, the professionalization of that learning, the acceleration of that learning, which is what we're about anyway, and the authenticity of that learning. Um, in terms of the extracurricular, it's about helping them manage their time. Okay. So not necessarily, I, I've, I've never, once I left school uh, and university, nobody ever provided me with our slots to do physical <laughs> education in or anything like that. You know, right. it just didn't happen. You know, I had to organize my life and find Mm. time and look for when I could do things and pursue my own passions. So whilst there is a lot of opportunities, it's about helping those students to manage their time as well effectively. Absolutely. You you said a lot there, John, and I appreciate that. And you're right. I mean, and let's be honest, the heart of the CP is um, personalized learning pathways for students Mm -hmm. um, to to get them to where they want to go, the passion that they want to follow, the um, that's the skills that they feel that they have, um, that's the uniqueness. And so I think you're right. You know, um, I kind of wish maybe my, my PE class was once a day, but <laughs> it's definitely not, not at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I love, I love the way you said that. And so um, that's, that's really exciting. And so you guys got up and running. How many students do you have at the moment? Oh, gosh, now you're going to ask me the recruitment question. Let me think. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I, sh- I should have rung him this morning. Um, we've got a guy that, that runs all that. To be to be honest with you, Jason, I'm Montreux is in my rearview mirror. I'm already now focused on Neuchatel. Um, let, I, I, what are we? I, uh, last time I checked, I think we were we were up at 20, 30, something like that. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's progressing. Um, uh, you know, you do face, look, we're, at, we're a new school within a current school. Um, I mean, we're not looking to build, we're not going to be a, a, a 200 capacity school. You know, we're a school within a host school. So we're looking to get up to, you know, probably, um, I suppose our ambition is, you know, 50 to 100 um, once we're we're fully mature, but it's it's about it's about creating multiple opportunities for those for those students and 
bear in mind, we are the first DP only, uh, uh, sorry, CP only school in Switzerland. Um, and there's not that many CP schools in Switzerland as well. So one of the things that we've, uh, we've been concentrating on and you picked up uh, earlier um, is, is really um, about being able to differentiate yourself from, um, what's the word, the DP. So, I mean, being able to tell tell parents, okay, this is the DP and this is the CPM, put it in terms that, that allows um, parents to understand the key differences. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's been the number one challenge, I would say, for me and probably every single <laughs> CP coordinator I've ever spoken to is being able to differentiate between those two, but also see how they are symbiotic in a sense uh, when it comes to the CP yeah. is that you need, you need one, um, which it is what it is. We know that's the current system. Um, but you know, that's great growth that you've had that many already, yeah. uh, you know, in, in your programs. And so tell, tell me about the CP providers that you've been, you've started to create. So, um, Basically, what we've what we've done, um, it's probably easier to to sort of take you back on the uh, on the journey a little bit um, to to see where because we're 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 sort of a we're a, we're an interesting organisation in as much that we we have schools and we are our own CP provider um, and we have our own CP provider uh, platform as well. Um, because of that's part of our philosophy is to is to develop these programs and then and then not become an island, um, but actually share them out and provide multiple opportunities for for students globally. Um, so we have uh, we have a, a platform called V Academy www.academy.com. That's my little plug. Um, and what we did was look in the first instance, we needed to develop a career related study that fit that managed to fit our school. OK, and we worked with um, a higher educational higher education partner to develop that. We created a 30 credit, 10 unit, two year course in business and hospitality that comes with a minimum of two terms, maximum of one year advanced standing uh, in a three year degree um, with with a certain uh, education provider. Once we'd done that and secured that, we then had to reimagine that and look at it. What does that look like in an online environment? We had to go through, you know, adapting it to digital pedagogies, then also looking at how it would be implemented in a school. So going through a standardization quality assurance process to ensure that that course um, could be delivered in school. So it's the way we've structured the course for the CRS uh, in the first instance, is that it is a um, it's a online resourced school facilitated. So we believe that there should be a teacher in the room. Um, so the course is all laid out. A teacher can facilitate it, and for the business and hospitality, literally a business management teacher, um, or in fact pretty much any teacher, we we try to almost put it to the point where it could be delivered by anyone 
Um, and that's why we've, we've really looked at the standardization so that all the delivery material is there. The lessons are planned out. The structure of the lesson is there. The materials are available online that the students can self-pace week by week under the control of a teacher. All assessment, though, is centrally marked and moderated with feedback to, uh, to the students. Um, where we need to do an intervention based on what we're seeing, we, could, we have the staff of the academy to go in and do uh, synchronous, asynchronous lessons should we need to. Um, and also then all exams are held on our um, secure platform so they can be run in school or run, if we go back to lockdown, in a student's home because uh, they're timed, they've got uh, control screens, etc. on that. So full quality assurance and standardization in there that allow students to, uh, if their passion is business and hospitality, to follow that route. Um, so that's we, it took us a long time to structure those pieces together and we really had to, it's that whole problem chain where you problem, you find a solution, creates another problem, then you have to adapt, find a new solution that then transforms what you were originally doing and then you have to go back and go, is it still relevant to what we're trying to achieve? So it's it's taken, uh, the word iterative doesn't really, uh, doesn't really uh, make it anymore. But uh, no, we've, we've, we, we believe we've got there um, in terms of the CRSs. Uh, we've got three more on track now with other partners. Um, and we've also got a, a, a fantastic series of short courses as well, because as we were developing the academy, what we were, the feedback we were getting as well, because we, we do a lot of outreach to schools, was that it's not just about a two-year course. Two-year course for CP schools is great. Thank you. Um, is it going to be available to other schools if they you did two A levels in it? Could they do it? Yes, you could. But actually, there's quite a demand for smaller, shorter, more punchier courses as well. You know what we call 15-hour short courses. So we developed a suite of, uh, well, before we developed, we wanted to know what, what do we want to do? What do we think is missing? And so we, uh, we were lucky enough to bring on uh, Brett Shilker. Uh, I don't know if you know him. He works with uh, the National Center for Humane Technology. Prior to that, with Singularity, um, he's got his own company called Irresistible Futures. Lovely guy. Um, and we're developing a set of a suite of courses called Thrive, um, which is a, a set of uh, six shorter courses that schools can take. And it's all about our relationship with technology, the ethic, some of the hard ethical decisions around um, uh, exponentialism and uh, humanism, uh, where those two things clash. Just because we've got the technology, should we? Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a suite of, and really also understanding yourself and being mindful of yourself, which is needed more than ever, to be honest with you, post-pandemic. Um, and we've got another set of courses all around global, um, what we call global perspectives, which is understanding the world at large and the world that you're going into. I think we used to call it global citizenship, but also then the engagement with global issues and some of those global issues that are shaping the world that those students are going to, or impacting the world that the students are going to um, graduate into. Um, so we've just launched one with, uh, actually today, funnily enough, with Youth Underground, uh, which is a charity based out of Geneva that uh, is looking to educate students on the uh, uh, the real 
very real uh, and scary problem of human trafficking. Um, so we developed a course uh, for them, and we've put that out free for schools to uh, adopt, um, should they want to. Um, and and uh, it's all, like I say, it's, they can follow that. So we've moved quite far in terms of the academy, just so we're a, we're a career-related service provider. We're a short course provider. And then the final thing we did, because we, again, we kept getting requests, we've put a whole school services and school support section together as well, Jason, because we were having schools coming to us saying, actually, it's quite hard to implement the IB. Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, and, and I know the IB are doing their best with making yeah. it easier. Um, but, you, you, you know, um, from a school perspective, the journey can be quite a long journey. And so um, we've put sort of a, a suite of um, courses, pre, pre-CP teacher development courses in play. Um, and also, uh, you know, just trying to share some of our experience and make life a little bit easier, the navigation a little bit easier. It always has to be um, the school's journey. Um but sometimes it's 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 quite nice to be able to give schools a leg up um, and just or sometimes just to say, yeah, you're doing absolutely fine. You're on the right lines. Um, that's exactly what you should be doing. Um, and being that sort of uh, I'm going to use a very well trodden IB term, that critical friend. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, if you've got someone as your critical friend from the IB who's your consultant and they're on top of things, it's probably okay. Mm. But that's not always yeah. the case. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. some of these folks have, have not been in an IB school for many years and they may not even have the most current information to share with you. So I'm sure that schools appreciate having that. That's awesome, John. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, Jason. Look. You know, like every student, every school's journey is different. And for some schools, implementing the IB is, is you know what, it's a walk in a park for them. It's absolutely fine. For other schools, they've got a longer journey. Um, and that's all That's all we're trying to, to do is to, we, you know, we want, we want more IB schools as well, particularly CP ones. And, um, you know, if we can help, <laughs> if we can help grow that community, um, then that's a that's a positive impact for us. Could not agree more, John. I have a couple things I want to ask you to follow up. Number one, um, sure. so that means do you have a staff of people at V Academy and then a staff of people at Montreux International School? Is that correct? Yes. Yes, okay. Sir. Okay. So those V Academy folks are the ones who are helping with the synchronous and asynchronous online learning. These are the industry people that we were talking about before. These are these are the subject specialists, okay. Um, as we as we mature, so will the number uh, mature as well. Um, but uh, you know we're focused around what we're developing, and we've got we've got three really interesting courses coming up as well, which I can talk about. Yes. Should you want me to? Uh, and and I will definitely want to hear about that. Uh, and so this thrive. Uh, course you're talking about yeah it, it, when you when you describe it 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 sounds a lot like um, some of the topics that are talked about in the personal professional skills course is there mm-hmm. any is there is that just coincidence or is that you know, <laughs> they, they sound really familiar Co- so you mean coincidence curious. by design coincidence <laughs> uh happenstance right <laughs> that's it yeah yeah um 
funnily funnily enough i think i think to to be to be fair yes it, it's it's coincidence but yes it's also been designed that way what we don't want to do i mean look every every school's um pps curriculum should be contextual to that school we just think we we were developing thrive first and we felt that this was a this was very much a worthy cause to develop courses that that explored um, self uh, position in the world uh, ethics, uh, particularly like I say around our relationship with technology and the tension, as I said before, around um, you know just because we've got the technology, should we type thing? These big questions that we need to ask ourselves. The fact that the IB have uh, you know have have the same thought i'm sure that there's the same thoughts in ap and i'm sure there's the same thoughts in in a level um i think it's just probably good good ed practice but coincidence we'll call it coincidence yep Yep, absolutely you know john i say at the beginning of every workshop i conduct and that is good teaching is good teaching you know and it doesn't matter what framework or context you're in good teaching is good teaching so you know same thing here (laughs) and so man that's that's awesome that's some cool, great stuff going on. And so um, I had a couple questions for you just as, as sure. a follow-up. Um, so when, when you're, you've got these uh, V Academy courses and they're being taught, mm-hmm. like you, I, I believe you said, online resource school facilitated. If that school, yeah. let's say that school is based in China for example, um, is, is there leeway, is there latitude for that school to contextualize, um, the course so that it works in their situation? So business management, you know, the, the principles of that are going to be similar, but there's going to be some practices that are going to be different depending on where the student is at. So how, how does that work with your online academy? Yeah, that's that's. I mean, look. If I talk about uh, business hospitality, for example, um, it's it, hospitality is culturally relevant, but also it needs to be um, uh, culturally agnostic as well. In the same in the same breath, so it needs to be culturally relevant in that students will will have the experience to be able to contextualize it. Uh, if you use your China example, you know. Uh, culinary arts in China, the, um, I think we've got one piece on prepping for a, a Chinese wedding, for example, as opposed to prepping for a, an Arabic wedding as a, opposed to um, maybe a UK. These things are culturally, culturally different. So there is quite a lot of bandwidth and scope within the course because it's the skills that you're developing and the concepts and that all of those can be contextualized to your environment. Um, you also want to sort of look, uh, understand the sort of the standard the, the, the standards that you have to reach, but the route that you meet those standards is context, uh, standards is contextual. Um, as we move into our other courses, that's the other thing that we'll be also um, uh, stressing is is that it's about it's the skills concepts to meet standards, um, and the context needs to be uh, local. Let's say mm-hmm. so. So mm-hmm. local relevance, then lo- uh, global understanding. Love it. That's a great way to say that. I, 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 I could make that the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm not going to, but it could. I totally could. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's great, John. Awesome. I hope that you enjoyed the first half of this chat with John Halligan. Remember to check out the second half of the chat with John next week. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon.